When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Kara Rintala and Anna Marie Cochran? First, to look at the background of this case, I'll move to the timeline of the crime, then offer my analysis. Anna Marie Cochran was born in Springfield, Massachusetts on July 30, 1972. She was described as generous, enthusiastic, opinionated, and outgoing. Anna Marie eventually became a paramedic. In 2002, she met another paramedic named Kara Rentala, who was seven years older. The couple fell in love and moved into Kara's house in Granby, Massachusetts in 2005. This is just north of Springfield. In 2007, the couple married and adopted a daughter named Brianna. The couple's relationship was difficult from the start. Anna Marie was terrible with money. She ran up tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt. There were allegations of physical violence in the relationship. On September 27, 2008, Anna Marie made her way to the Granby Police Station and filed for a restraining order against Kara. She said that Kara hit her in the head and hit her with a spatula. Kara also made her way to the police station to tell her side of the story, but it must not have been a good story because she was arrested and charged with domestic assault and battery. The case never went to trial because Anna Marie dropped the charges. Trouble was evident again on May 12, 2009, when someone placed a call to 911 from Kara's residence. The dispatcher heard a woman screaming, just leave, just leave. When the police arrived, both women pretended as though Brianna had accidentally dialed the phone. Kara filed for divorce that same day. Two weeks later, on May 26, Kara called 911, Kara said, she's threatening to take my daughter from me. I'm being threatened. I can't get a hold of my lawyers. I need help. Kara and Anna Marie both visited the district court later that day, looking for restraining orders against each other. Kara told the judge, she constantly threatens me that she's going to take away my livelihood, my home, and my daughter. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be in my own house. The judge wasn't impressed by either woman. He said, quote, I don't think either of you are stable enough to be parents. I am close to filing criminal charges against both of you, unquote. The judge also told them that if he saw them in court again, he would have their daughter taken away. In June 2009, Anna Marie started having an affair with a police officer named Carla Danielli. In August, she moved in with Carla, but by November, Anna Marie had run up 
$10,000 on Carla's credit cards and had moved back in with Kara. The couple decided to go on a Caribbean cruise, which they thought was a good decision, despite carrying almost $100,000 in debt. On March 28, 2010, Anna Marie was at work during the evening and overnight. Kara had a male friend over to her home to drink beer. The couple argued through text messages. Anna Marie threatened to leave. That same night, Anna Marie flirted with one of her male coworkers named Mark Oleksak. These two were close friends. Anna Marie had terrible credit, and Mark obtained a credit card for her. Anna Marie generated $7,000 in charges on that credit card. Anna Marie came home from work at 8 a.m., now on March 29. She was called by the fire department to come in, but after she arrived, they told her she wasn't needed. Anna Marie once again returned home, arriving by 11 a.m. At some point during the next several hours, 37-year-old Anne Marie was murdered. She was thrown down the basement steps and strangled. 43-year-old Kara and 2-year-old Brianna left the house at 3 p.m. to run a few errands. This was probably after Anna Marie was murdered. They arrived at a nearby mall just before 5 p.m. Video surveillance cameras captured a laundry basket and a red bag sitting in the bed of Kara's pickup truck. While Kara was shopping, she texted Anne-Marie, but there was no response. After leaving the mall, Kara and her daughter went to a McDonald's, but Kara did not make a purchase. The only thing she did there was throw some rags in a trash bin. Kara and Brianna then went to a supermarket, at which point Kara started calling Anna-Marie. Again, there was no response. After leaving the supermarket, Kara drove to a Burger King and purchased a meal for Brianna. This was at about 6.45 p.m. Kara and Brianna arrived home at about 7 p.m. Sometime between the departure from Burger King and the arrival at her home in Granby, the laundry basket and the red bag had disappeared from the bed of the pickup truck. At about 7.12 p.m., Kara rang the doorbell of her neighbor. She handed her daughter to him and said, Call 911. Anne's in the basement. She referred to Anna Marie as Anne. Kara then immediately ran back to her residence. The police arrived in three minutes. When the officer entered the house, he saw the basement door was open. He could hear yelling. He walked down the basement steps. He observed Kara sitting on the basement floor with Anna Marie's body on her lap. Paint mixed with blood was everywhere. Carrie yelled to the officer, she's dead. I can't believe she's dead. Here's the story Kara supplied to the police at the crime scene. She and Anna Marie had been arguing recently. Kara left to run errands so that Anna Marie could get some sleep. When she returned, she saw a light on in the basement. As she started down the steps, she saw Anna Marie's body and immediately took her daughter to the neighbor's home. She then returned to her home, went down into the basement, and rolled Anna Marie's body onto her lap. Kara concluded her story by telling the police, I understand I'm the number one suspect. I think it would have been more accurate to say she was the only suspect. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Something is creeping in. Don't follow it down. Let me introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. Kara kept talking at the police station. She complained about Anna Marie, saying that she was loud, lazy, manipulative, could not control her temper, and was physically abusive. At one point, Kara said, I wish my head would fall off. It's not clear what that would achieve, but I guess that's what she wanted. The police asked Kara what she think happened. Kara suggested that maybe Anna Marie fell down the stairs. Before Kara could be questioned again, she retained an attorney. The police determined that Anna Marie had died by strangulation. The investigation took quite some time. Kara sold her house and moved to Rhode Island with her daughter. Over a year and a half later, in October of 2011, Kara was indicted for first-degree murder. Her trial started on February 20, 2013. On March 13 of that same year, a mistrial was declared after the jury failed to reach a unanimous decision. Kara's second trial in 2014 resulted in another mistrial. Her third trial resulted in a conviction, but the conviction was overturned in 2021. There was a problem with the testimony of a quality engineer for a paint company. This expert for the state literally testified about paint drying, but it wasn't the boring nature of the testimony that was the problem. His testimony was essentially just his opinion and not based on research or valid experimentation. Kara's fourth trial is scheduled for September of 2023, at the time I'm making this video. Now moving to my analysis. Is Kara guilty of murder? She, of course, maintains her innocence. Let's take a look at the evidence, both for and against the idea that Kara is guilty, starting with the inculpatory evidence. Kara and Anna Marie had a terrible romantic relationship characterized by violence. Their time together involved 911 calls, physical abuse, spatula attacks, attempts to get restraining orders, extramarital affairs, and out-of-control spending. Not all the spending was in plain view. For example, Anna Marie fraudulently obtained a credit card in Kara's name and ran up $20,000 in debt. If Anna Marie had not been murdered, she could have been charged with a felony for that fraud. The medical examiner for the state determined that Anna Marie most likely died between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. when Kara was in the house. Anna Marie had more than 20 bruises all over her body, as if she had made an uncontrolled, gravity-assisted journey down the basement steps. 
This fits with the theory that Kara pushed her down the stairs. This left Anna Marie badly injured. Kara took advantage of this vulnerability and strangled her. The paint that was on Anna Marie's body was designed for ceilings. It was pink when poured out of the container, but would turn white in about an hour. It was pink when the police arrived on the scene. This is consistent with the idea that Kara poured the paint over Anna Marie's body after coming back from running errands. This doesn't mean that she killed her, but that certainly looks suspicious. Three rags were found in the trash container at the McDonald's where Kara had stopped. Blood was found on one of those rags. The DNA was consistent with Anne Marie's. The laundry basket and the red bag, which had been in the back of Kara's pickup truck, were never found. Someone had attempted to clean the basement, including the stairs, shelving, and the concrete floor. A laundry basket near the body had blood spatter underneath of it on the concrete floor. If an intruder committed the murder, why would they move the basket? In addition, why would the intruder cover Anna Marie's body with paint? Was the intruder trying to leave the scene in a way that would inspire the media to give them a catchy serial killer name, like the Springfield Painter? I can picture a reporter coming on the news saying, The Springfield Painter struck again. This time they went semi-gloss. Moving on with the inculpatory factors, the reason Kara left to run errands when she did was to allow Anna Marie some time to sleep. Anna Marie had just worked a long shift overnight. It seems strange that Kara would call Anna Marie so many times, just an hour and a half after leaving. Wouldn't this wake Anna Marie up? On the messages that Kara left for Anna Marie, she supplied specific information about what places she had visited, almost like she was trying to set up her alibi. At one point, Kara can be heard on voicemail saying that they were on the way home. Brianna's voice can be heard telling Kara that she was driving the wrong way to get home. Semicircular marks were found on the doorframe of the side door of the house, as if someone had broken in. This may seem like it's not inculpatory, but the marks were on the doorframe and not on the door. And the door lock was still functional. The break-in was clearly staged. Despite the fact that Anna Marie had an affair and a close friend, both Carla and Mark had alibis. Moving to the exculpatory factors, there were no witnesses to the murder, no video. The physical evidence that ties Kara to the crime can be explained by her discovery of the body. Experts tested the rag that was found in the trash can at the McDonald's. They said the tests were inconclusive. A medical examiner for the defense said that Anna Marie died between 2.30 p.m. and 5.20 p.m. So if Kara left at 3 p.m., that only leaves her a half-hour window to commit the murder. When considering all the evidence, do I think that Kara was guilty? Yes, I think she was guilty in reality and guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. The two mistrials in this case don't make a lot of sense. What do I think happened in this case? This is just a theory, my opinion. When Kara and Anna Marie married, they had high hopes for a great future together. They adopted Brianna before realizing that they were not able to get along as a married couple. Neither one wanted to give up their daughter, so the couple stayed together and fought. Anna Marie had a strange power over people with whom she interacted. She was perceived as generous and caring, yet manipulated people to get access to credit cards and other favors. For example, in addition to convincing her close friend Mark 
to give her a credit card, she asked him to wait outside of a Best Buy for eight hours to get a new iPhone for her. When Anna Marie allegedly committed fraud against Kara by opening a credit card in her name and spending $20,000, Kara reached her limit. The judge had told both Kara and Anna Marie not to come back to court or else they would lose their daughter. This motivated Kara to solve her problems using a homicidal method. After an argument on March 29, 2010, Kara pushed Anna Marie down the basement steps and strangled her. She then attempted to clean up the crime scene. She was probably thinking that she would dispose of the body somewhere. As it turns out, this was harder than she thought. She realized that she would never be able to destroy all the evidence. Kara came up with this idea to drive around the area for a while. This served several purposes. It allowed her to dispose of the cleaning supplies. It created a window when an intruder could have theoretically broken into the house. And it gave Kara a chance at fabricating an alibi. Kara damaged the door to make it look like someone broke in, and she dropped her daughter off with a neighbor to avoid calling 911 herself. Kara dumped the paint on Anna Marie's body to confuse the crime scene. I think that Kara should have been convicted during the first trial, but Anna Marie's behavior opened the door for some doubt, like the manipulation of her lover and of her close friend created alternate theories of the crime. Apparently, these impressed at least some members of the jury. Now moving to my final thoughts. People sometimes choose to stay in romantic relationships believing they are protecting someone or something that they want. Yet when anger is combined with impulsivity, it can lead to an action that causes everything to be lost. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people, to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app, and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com